It is so good to see everyone here this morning. Glad you could come. It's nice that we're at what a perk. Can we just say this is a good day? This is a good day because tomorrow's supposed to be 90. And uh, so I like when it's nice and cool like this for outdoor services. So thank you. Um, let me just give a little caveat to what Pastor Brandon said about the triathlon. First of all, this is not an iron person triathlon. It's it's called a sprint triathlon. So basically you swim two, two laps of – no, I'm just teasing you. It's a 400-meter swim, a 13-mile bike, and a two-mile jog. So it's uh, it's doable, but if I drowned and Pastor Brandon's not there the next week, you know why? Because I'm going to kill him So for making me do this. But we're excited about doing that, and we're glad that you're here today. And um, we are jumping into a new new series this summer of digging into the Ten Commandments and, and looking at how we can live our lives free and how we can live in the freedom that Christ gives us. And I think many times we look at the, the Ten Commandments as something that's stringent, that's something that holds us back, or, or all these do's and don'ts, and we look at it kind of a, a negative thing. But I want you to know this morning that the Ten Commandments, or the commandments of God and the law of God, is the most loving thing that he could ever have done for us. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. The reason why God gives us a mandate the reason why God gives us a law is we need it. And we are wayward people, and we need to understand that God is a holy God. He's a loving God, and we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that today of how God is, is just, and he's holy, and he's perfect in every way. But yet he receives us, and he loves us, and he does everything to have a relationship with us. So I don't want you to look at the Ten Commandments as just a bunch of do's and don'ts. I want you to look as we dig, really dig into the commandments. I'm just going to do a foundational message today, and then for the next ten weeks after that, we're going to look at each and every commandment and look at how it can bring freedom into your life. And I I believe for many of us, we walk in this yoke of bondage to so many different things in our lives. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's guilt. Uh, maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's a habitual habit. Maybe it's a, an addiction, something that just creeps up or has been part of your life. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with by yourself and no one else knows about it. I want to give you some really good news this morning is Jesus sets us free from that. And actually the commandments of God will help us to live a free life. Now, when I was a child, and maybe you may remember this as, you know, growing up in your parents' house. How many liked all the rules that your parents would lay down, right? We loved it, right? Like, like asking my parents at 10 years old, why can't I drive the car? You know, can I drive the car? Of course. And they said, sure, here are the keys. Go in the car. They knew for me not to drive the car because I would end up wrecking the car at 10 years old. Or I remember one time I wanted to go down to, uh, we live really close to Lake Ontario, and it was wintertime. My friend and I got a can of sardines, and we we're going to go down to the lake and walk on the ice and eat our can of sardines. So my mom got word of this, and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, me and, me and my friend Robbie, we're going to walk down to the lake, and we're going to walk on the ice. She goes, no, you're not. I go, why not? We're just going to, you know, it's not. She goes, you will fall through the ice, and you will die. <laughs> That's why you can't do that. So the reason for these rules is because my parents loved me and they wanted to set up guardrails in my life to protect me from myself. How many know we need protection from ourselves many times, that we make dumb decisions? How many of you have ever made a dumb decision in your life? Okay, 12 of you. Okay, come on. We've all made dumb decisions. So 
the Ten Commandments, I want you to realize, is the most loving thing that God could do for us. And it's not a bunch of just do's and don'ts, but it's there for our protection. They're there for our good. And so it's not to gain God's acceptance or to make him love us more. That would just be works. But the commandments are an avenue that allows us to enjoy our relationship with God and our relationship with others. So it really, I want you to see that it really boils down to relationships. God desires to have a relationship with you. The commandments show us that we need God's grace and mercy, that it can only come through Christ Jesus, who was perfect and met all the law's righteous demands. So what the law will do is it will show us that we are in need of a deliverer. And so when when God gives the commandments to Moses, he reminds Moses all the time, never forget that I am the one that delivered you out of the bondage of Egypt. It wasn't by your works. It wasn't by your performance. It was completely done by my gracious act. And when we remind ourselves of who we are, and who God is, it will drive us to God as our deliverer. And so Jesus does that. He is our ultimate deliverer. And so the the law convicts us of our sin and how we're in need of forgiveness. And the only one to keep the law perfectly was Jesus, and so he fulfills everything for us. Can I get an amen? So when you feel, that was weak. Can I get an amen? A horn beep, something, anybody out there? All right, good, there we go. I should have never said that. Now I'm going to get in trouble. So we understand that when we look at the law, those 613 individual laws, we could never keep them perfectly. You broke one. You broke them all. The law was never meant to save us or redeem us. Only God could do that. The law didn't redeem Israel from Egypt. God did. Their goodness did not redeem them or deliver them from their bondage. It was God. God is the one through his son, Jesus Christ, that delivers us, that saves us, that sets us free from our sin. Amen? So that's why we need a Savior. God never wanted the Israelites to forget that he was the one that delivered them. And in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to take communion together. And what I love about communion is we remember what Jesus Christ did for us. We remembered the price that he paid with his very dear life, with his very precious blood, to save us from our sins, to heal us, to set us free from bondage. So I want you to look at the parallel here, that Egypt symbolizes bondage and sin that Israel was under. God comes and delivers them. And that's a perfect picture of Jesus Christ in our life. He comes as our deliverer to set us free. So the law points out our waywardness and that we needed a savior. And so to have a relationship with God, we need to come to God on his terms. Amen. We don't have a contract with God. We say, God, I'll do this. If you do that, and I'll, that's just works. God says, no, you got to completely depend on me. Israel was completely helpless without God's help. They could not deliver themselves. And listen, you may be at your wit's end today, and you may feel like I'm struggling today, or I'm struggling with whatever's going on in your life. I want you to realize that's exactly where God wants you to be, that you can't do it on your own. 
that you need a Savior, and that's why Jesus came to do the work for you. So the commandments show us how to relate to God and have a right relationship with him. So the whole focus is on relationship. So what I want to do is I want to go to the book of Genesis and look at how God established his relationship with Abraham. And from Abraham, a mighty nation would grow into what we know as Israel. So what God wanted Israel to understand is freedom. Living in Egypt meant bondage. Living under God meant freedom. God has his best interest for us because he knew that we could not save ourselves. So God would establish his relationship with Israel going all the way back to Abraham. So let me read to you Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and this will kind of be the foundation um, for the series on the Ten Commandments. It all starts with this relationship, this covenant that God made with Abraham. Starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Abraham had to walk in obedience and listen to God that his word is true. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and I will, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Amen to God's word. Olive Tree Commentary says this. It says, God would bless Abraham in two ways. One, God would make him into a great nation and so make his name great. And secondly, through him, God would mediate a blessing to others, all the peoples on earth, which includes you and I, and we're part of that blessing. Amen? Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, so anyways, so he God committed himself at this point to Abraham through a covenant and says, I will make you into a great nation if you obey my words. So what God does is God brings Israel out of Egypt. They couldn't save themselves. They needed a deliverer. Not only did God deliver them, but he wanted to have a relationship with them. And I want you, you know, I, I think sometimes we get this idea of God as this mean old guy, you know, sitting in his, you know, the Old Testament God of, of sitting in his front lawn, yelling at anybody that comes and walks on his lawn and stealing everybody's ball and saying, you can't have it back if you come walking on my lawn again. I think we kind of get this idea of God as the grumpy old man in the Old Testament. And then we see in the New Testament, all grace and love and all, uh, all of these things. I want you to realize, listen to God and his grace that that he speaks to Israel and to Abraham and how he desired to have a relationship with them, not just put all these demands on them. Leviticus 26, 13 says this. He says, I am the Lord, your God. He doesn't just say, I am the Lord God and do what I say. He says, I am the Lord, your God. That's a, a personal God. He wanted a relationship with them. Listen to what he says, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you could no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so that you can walk with your heads held high. Amen. Think about that for a moment. When we're delivered through Jesus Christ and he sets us free, the weight of that bondage is now lifted off our shoulders, that we can lift our heads, our heads high, not in ourself or in pride, but in knowing that God has saved us that he has taken that burden of sin off our life. Isn't that wonderful? And this is the personal language that God speaks to Israel. Deuteronomy 4.20 says this. God says, remember, it says, remember that the Lord rescued you 
from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people, his special possession, which is what you are today. Both Leviticus and Deuteronomy have everything to do with freedom. He says, if you want to be free, then you come to me. I am the one that has set you free from the bondage of Egypt. So God delivered them, bring them in, brought them into the, uh, the wilderness, literally a desert. If you've ever been, I've been to the Southwest. If, how many have ever been to a desert before? I mean, I'm talking desert. Like, okay, so you know what it's like. There's nothing there. God brings them there, and they're like, what are you doing? We're, there's nothing here for us. And it's here that God establishes relationship with them. It is here where Moses goes to Mount Sinai and receives the commandments of God. And so God leads them out of Egypt in this complete completely desolate place. And the reason why God did that is for this reason. They had to completely depend on him for everything. Everything. Food, manna from heaven, water from a rock. They had to completely depend on God for everything. And this is where God wants our relationship with him to be. We bring nothing to the table with God. Our righteousness is like filthy rags before the Lord. We bring nothing to the table. God does everything for us through his grace and his love to have a relationship with us. Aren't you glad for that? Because, man, if I had to, yeah, amen. If I had to bring my works or my righteousness before the Lord, it, it would never work. It would never be enough. It would. It, we would fall short every single time. Now, listen, I may be able to swim in a triathlon. I may, may be able, well, I think, hopefully I can, uh, 400 meters. But I remember that the world record for the longest continuous swim is 136 miles. 136 miles in the water. I can't even drive my car that far. No, I, I just can't imagine that. For me, I may last a mile or two, and I'm done. 136, I could never do that. But then take that, that same person who swam 136 miles and put him on Long Island at, at, you know, on the shore of, of the Atlantic Ocean and say, okay, now you've got to swim to nonstop to France or England. You could never do it. That's how God wants to say our relationship. There's nothing in me or my strength or my goodness that could ever approach God or have him receive me in my own strength. God said, only I can do that for you. So it is here at Mount Sinai, God would give Moses his words and God would share this with Moses. Listen to once again, God's words and his relationship and the language he uses Exodus nineteen three through 6 says, Then Moses climbed up the mountain to appear before God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel that you have seen what I did in, to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Once again, beautiful covenantal language of God's love and protection. Now, if you obey and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the people on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel, and God takes him there and then gives him the commandments of God. But once again, listen to the language God uses. God tells him that it was by his hand that they were delivered. It was by his hand that they were delivered. And so what he would do is he would 
gather them. They would come together. He would gather them to themselves. And he says, okay, this is how you are to approach me. I'm a holy God. Nothing unholy can come in my presence. If that's the case, you will die. But I brought you to myself, and I'm going I'm to bind myself to you, and I'm going to have a relationship with you. And so I want you to see that these are caring, loving words that God desires to have a relationship with us. So listen to how the commandment starts. Here's how Exodus chapter 20, and this is where we read the Ten Commandments. Listen to how the language starts. He just doesn't jump right into all what, what he commands them. Listen to what he says. Then God gave the people all these instructions, and this is what he says. I am the Lord, your God, once again, personal, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. He starts the commandments by reminding them that it wasn't by their works or by their goodness that they were rescued, but it was by the hand of God and God alone that took them out of that place of slavery. Notice what God says at the very beginning of the list. I am your God that rescued you. God was reminding them of where they came from. It's interesting to me that when God when God brought them through the Red Sea, he wanted them to always share that story. I'm the one that parted the Red Sea. You tell that to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. We cannot stop telling the story of how God saved us. Your testimony is imperative to the next generation. Amen. I love hearing. I love hearing testimony. I mean, I'm just thinking. I'm going to pick on Ruth Brooks, but Ruth Brooks' grandson is is playing the drums and the beatbox up here, and because she's telling the story of how God delivered her, and she's praying for her family. And you grandparents, don't give up on praying for your kids and your grandkids and that next generation. We can never stop doing that. And so God wanted to remind them, listen, this is where you came from. Don't forget that I rescued you, that I saved you. Tell that to the next generation and the next generation of God's saving power. And so the the commandments are there for our protection, and we needed to be reminded of how easily we can fall if we are not careful. There's a there's a book that I read by by an author named Lance Witt, and he just this was very convicting for me to read this, but it was, and I, and I don't want to share it just to bring condemnation on people, but I want to share it because it's so important for us to understand that we can stray. And the reason why God set up this relationship, the reason why God set up uh, the commands for Israel is he knew their hearts. And God knows your heart. And how many you know that we need to kind of take a good inventory of our lives sometimes, that we have to constantly remind ourselves that we too can stray if we don't remain obedient to God and keep our relationship with Jesus intact. Amen? So let me read this to you. This is sobering. All right, so I'm just going to... Maybe a gut check, but I need to read it again for myself because it's so true. Here's what Lance Witt says. I quote, he says, I've read a lot of classics on spiritual formation. And one of the glaring distinctions between these older writings and contemporary Christian literature has to do with the issue of depravity. He said the spiritual giants that have come before us had a much greater awareness of their depravity. And they often wrote about it. They seem to be much more in touch with what they were capable of, and as a result, they didn't trust themselves. We hear a lot of today about self-discovery, leveraging our strength, and maximizing our potential, but I need to realize my potential isn't all positive. I have the potential to destroy my marriage. 
I have the potential to divide a church. I have the potential to bring disgrace on the name of Jesus. God has a long history of reminding his people of their brokenness. And so, yeah, that's, I, let's give God the glory for that. Amen. That's a good, that's a great, 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 great quote. Here's the thing I want you to realize. This isn't to beat you up and to say, you're no good, you're no good. But it's to remind us, God wanted Israel to remind them of their brokenness when they lived under that bond of slavery. And I think sometimes we forget about that and we may start to depend on, depend on ourselves again. And then we can easily wander back off into areas or lifestyles that we should never go to. Amen. And so God uses the commandments to say, no, the reason why I set these things up for you is because I love you. It's because I care about you. I have these guardrails because I want nothing to come in between your relationship and me. So God had to drive Egypt out of their hearts. And he had to speak to them. He had to discipline them. And how many know we're creatures of habits and there's things that can so easily creep back into our lives. And we need to be reminded of our brokenness and how God saved us in the midst of our brokenness when we least deserved it. So the commandments are a reminder that we can easily stray. And the closer I become to Christ, the more I realize I need him. And that causes me to want to obey him. When I realize the awesome sacrifice and what Jesus paid for my sins, it causes me to walk in gratitude for what he did. And I and so it should make us want to obey him and become closer, not because he's trying to take something away from us, but he's trying to give us his freedom and his joy that nothing in this world could ever give us. And so this is the establishment. This is the basis of the commandment. So when we jump in deeper into each and every commandment, I want us to look at how God uses these to cause us to grow closer to him and to grow closer to one another. And so it's that's why Jesus boiled all of them down to two. Love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm telling you, if we get those two things right, everything else will fall into place. Can I get a big amen and some horn beeps? Okay, we're at the end here. There we go. Okay. So... I want, to, I want us to pray this morning, and we're going to take communion together. But what I want to do is just as, as, we, as we jump into communion today, I just want to ask you a question this morning. I mean, what, what, what yoke would you say is maybe around your neck today? What, what thing are you struggling with today? Is it guilt? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it substance? What, what, what thing are you struggling with today? I want to remind you the whole reason Jesus came was to set us free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what this whole day is about, freedom, right? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I would tell you, bring your hurts, bring your pain, bring your brokenness, come just as you are, and allow the Savior, Jesus Christ, to save you, to heal you, to give you words of hope and encouragement, because those who are in Christ Jesus... They now become a new creation. Behold, Paul says, all things become new. So we have a bright future in Christ Jesus and a hope that we could never have from this world. And so everything that we go through in this world, all the trials we go through, and Israel went through many trials in their wanderings, but God was always faithful to them. And when they turned to God and they repented, God was always faithful to be there for them and to be their God. And God has committed himself 
to you, not because of our goodness, but through the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate communion. We celebrate communion to remember that it's only through Christ that we can have this right relationship with God, that one day when we pass away in Christ Jesus, we can stand before holy God, not based on my righteousness, thank God, but based on the righteousness of Christ. We are guiltless, no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we need Jesus. So let's remember Jesus today and thank him for everything he's done for us. So would you pray with me and take out your communion cups? And I'm going to have the worship team come on up. And uh, we're just going to pray together and thank the Lord for this. Thank the Lord for his beautiful Savior and the Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you. And Lord, as we get ready as a, as a body to partake in communion, we want to remember Jesus' sacrifice. That he said, whenever you do this, do this in remember, remembrance of me. The, body symbolize, the, the bread symbolizes your body that was broken and given to us. The blood symbolizes your precious, precious blood that was shed for us. And we know through Scripture that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. There had to be a penalty. There had to be a payment made in order to appease the righteous demands of God. And through the perfect life of our Savior and God, Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, who is God, through his sacrifice, it appeased the righteous demands of God that in Christ Jesus we are set free and made whole again. And so we recognize that as we partake in communion and we realize that Jesus is the only way. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.